It says it clear as day in the personal conduct policy. Owners are to be held to a higher standard. Damn it, if you're going to be serious about what you're saying in your own policies, this is the opportunity to prove it. The NFL is going to tell us a lot about themselves and how serious they are about changing the culture and how they relate to women within that organization by what we see from the fallout of this investigation. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. There you heard right there, ESPN's Chris Canty from Canty and Carlin. Talking about the congressional hearings, talking about Washington, that football team, Daniel Snyder. Seems like there's a lot more going on in the courtroom these days when it comes to the NFL than there is at training camps, at mini camps, at any kind of camp right now across the league. And to help us sort it all out is our good friend Daniel Lust, sports attorney. You've heard him on ESPN, Fox Sports. He's all over the place, and he's with us here on Unnecessary Roughness. And, Daniel, there's so much to talk about, but we got to talk about what's current, and that is the congressional hearings. Daniel Snyder was not there. He's in France. He uh, was on his yacht. That was called out during the, the congressional hearings. And Roger Goodell, to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, he did his best job to earn his paycheck today at those hearings. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, Roger Goodell is never going to get a compliment from uh, really anybody. But, you know, in terms of doing his job and protecting the shield, I think he did a good job. And, I, and I do think optics-wise, you know, there's certainly a way to not answer questions and be obvious that's what you're doing. But I think Goodell gave you just enough substance that there really is some big takeaways here. What are, were your thoughts on, on just the way that, you know, even Daniel Snyder was called out? I know the one lady said that, you know, him being in France and on his yacht kind of lets you know what, what he feels about, about women in the workplace. What was your takeaway when you heard that? You know, they're, they're entitled to grandstand, uh, you know, and, and we should mention there was an empty seat that had a name card that said Mr. Snyder there. So, <laughs> you know, they, they wanted to give the optics that he had a chance to show up, and he did not. Um, you know, the truth is, if I was Dan Snyder's lawyer, I would not tell him to come. He was not under any subpoena power. It was all a voluntary basis. So, you know, if he can delay this as long as possible, um, you know, I think that's maybe the move, right, without getting too much into the weeds. But this was, you know, if you watch the hearing, a very partisan debate. I didn't, I was kind of hoping we would just stick to sports, but that's what I get for, for assuming that. They're like Republicans fighting with Democrats. So if you followed the name cards, a lot of the Republicans – voice support for Dan Snyder, while the Democrats had kind of the harder questions, just I'm painting a broad picture, but, you know, uh, we have some elections coming up, so I think, you know, maybe if you're trying to figure out what Snyder's doing and why he's delaying, I think the hope is he'll have maybe some more friendly faces um, if he can delay this out a couple months. So now that he has been subpoenaed, uh, talking about Daniel Snyder, you know, what, what's the next step? What does that mean, and, and how quickly is that going to happen? So I, I don't know if it's officially he's been subpoenaed, but um, you know, Chairperson Maloney said that he would be subpoenaed with, okay. uh, I think they said, next week. So, um, you know, you can't disobey a subpoena without fear of ramifications from Congress being held in contempt. Um, we'll see. I expect Snyder to adhere to the subpoena. Maybe he could potentially try to file a lawsuit and, and challenge you know, Congress's jurisdiction on these particular grounds. But we'll see. Um, I tend to think that Snyder will show up. I think he might try to you know, uh, do his version of mental gymnastics. Definitely not as eloquently as Roger Goodell pulled it off, but you know, I, I'd be surprised if he if he didn't show up. I'm, you know, certainly some rumblings that he might not appear, but uh, you know, my my gut is telling me that he'll he'll be there. Just a matter of when. Talking right now with Daniel Lust, sports attorney here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. And uh, bringing it back home, I mean, how does this affect what John Gruden has going on against the NFL? I saw his lawyer speak out and say, hey, Roger Goodell and the NFL has to be held accountable, and it doesn't seem like they're doing that. 
Yeah, the truth is, I, I assumed we'd hear more references to John Gruden. Um, I actually thought, you know, we were kind of joking before, like, Sean Watson's name's going to come up, John Gruden's name's going to come up. And uh, I don't know if I heard any references to John Gruden or the 300,000 emails. So, um, you know, I, I th- certainly think it's in play. We kept talking about, you know, whether, you know, this, uh, I think the amount of documents the NFL provided to Congress was like 400,000, yet shockingly, right? Um, joking, you know, half joking. Right. Of that 400,000, 360,000 were not the emails, so they've been holding those back. Um, but yeah, I think there's a direct line between the handling this and John Gruden, and I, I do think that when Dan Center is called to testify, that the John Gruden case will come up because the allegation has been for a while that Dan Snyder was behind these leaks or was at least aware of these, uh, you know, these email leaks. So I think that's fair game if someone wanted to bring it up. Uh, my guy Rob in Oakland, he actually sent us a text and said, hey, can you ask Daniel what he thinks about Goodell running a quasi-corporate justice system that sometimes conflicts with the criminal justice system? He says, I asked because Goodell seems to be using player punishment as a PR tool. Yeah, so what I think he's referencing is the impending punishment of Deshaun Watson, right? Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson was not convicted in any type of criminal court. He wasn't even indicted, even though two separate grand juries had the chance to do it. So, you know, Roger Goodell is going to, likely issue some type of punishment to Deshaun Watson when the criminal court and the criminal justice system has not. And I don't think we're going to get any type of criminal charges. So, yeah, Goodell is somewhat taking it into his own hands. The new disciplinary measures actually have one additional checkpoint before it gets to Goodell as an independent investigator, uh, Sue, or independent judge, a federal judge, Sue Robinson, that's going to look at that case first. Interestingly, if we're talking about, you know, uh, discipline and owners, Right, Dan Snyder is accused here of sexual assault from a 2009 incident um, that involved a, uh, I believe, a, an unnamed woman. Her name has not been released. But you know, Roger Goodell did say today that if that allegation is substantiated, that that would be in violation of the personal conduct policy. So, you know, we don't really see owners punished. Right, we're talking about Deshaun Watson potentially being punished. We hear uh, and Q, you and I didn't talk about it, but a couple weeks back, Deshaun Watson's lawyer compared what Deshaun Watson did to a happy ending. Right, that one might get. Yeah. Yep. Um, and end up in massage, right? And that's, I think, precisely the category of uh, conduct that Robert Kraft was accused of once upon a time. Yet Robert Kraft faced no punishment of the sort. So, yeah, we're certainly blur- um, blurring those lines between owner punishment and player punishment the deeper we get into these weeks. Yeah, no doubt about it. Again, we're talking with Daniel Luss here on Radio Nation Radio 920. He's a sports attorney. You hear him on ESPN, Fox Sports, and a whole lot more. And, and, and going on to the Deshaun Watson conversation, I mean, this guy, he cleared up 20 out of 24 civil suits quick, fast, and in a hurry after saying he wasn't going to clear any up because he's trying to fight for his name. How much pressure do you think came from the Browns to try to say, hey, man, go ahead and get that taken care of? It's unclear if it came from the Browns. And, and Q, you know, you know I've been following this very closely. Back at last year's trade deadline, there was a reported, um, I think it's, I don't want to say it's been confirmed, but enough people are reporting it, I, I feel pretty confident saying this, that 18 of 22 lawsuits were ready to be settled in order to facilitate uh, a trade to the Dolphins, <laughs> uh, but there were four holdouts from the plaintiff's perspective. So, you know, not coincidentally, this time around, we have 24 lawsuits, four of which have not been settled, 20 have them. So you asked if the Browns put pressure on him, this deal seems like it's been out there for a long time, at least since, you know, last uh, last fall, right, when mm-hmm. the trade download was occurring. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if it's the Browns or maybe it's the NFL, right, because we're getting close to an impending suspension. So I think the NFL, it's in their interest to make this go away as, as well as the Browns. But from an NFL standpoint, we're very close to a decision on punishment. So I would think if anyone's forcing the issue, I would think it's actually Roger Goodell and the NFL that have forced that here. 
Do you think that the NFLPA, uh, as you mentioned, you know, Robert Kraft didn't face any kind of uh, punishment, and I've heard rumblings that they're going to try to use that in defense of Deshaun when his suspension rolls down. Do you think that they have a legit argument there? I mean, the personal conduct policy is supposed to apply even-handedly between owners and players and coaches. And, you know, I think just me saying that aloud, there's certainly some listeners that are like, really? Because it's never applied to owners, and I think right. that's a, a fair comment. And that's why, you know, just sticking on Deshaun Watson, that's why those comments made by his lawyer about the happy endings comment were really ill-advised. Obviously, a lawyer shouldn't be saying the term happy endings, but right. you know, he also shouldn't be comparing the case to Robert Kraft because, you know, I think everyone is still kind of, frustrated at the handling of the Robert Kraft situation, and the optics were that, you know, Rusty Harden, Deshaun Watson's lawyer, was basically saying, hey, you know, the hand job, you know, the happy ending is not necessarily illegal, so, uh, you know, that's what Deshaun Watson's defense is here, and then he had to walk that back and say it was a hypothetical situation, he wasn't really saying it, but I don't, I would not be comparing Deshaun Watson to Robert Kraft if I'm Deshaun Watson, I just, I just wouldn't do that. Right, yeah, it's probably better just to go ahead and stay quiet. Don't don't throw that out there at all. Again, we're talking with Daniel Lust here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Just have a couple more questions for you, and, and, and the reason I hit you up yesterday is uh, when I saw the Brian Flores news and the fact that the NFL, uh, they were trying to go ahead, the NFL and other teams were trying to push everything to arbitration, and the only thing I know from talking to you over the years is when they try to push it to arbitration, they're trying to they're trying to settle things. So is that the, the, the move that the NFL and these teams are making, taking Flores' lawsuit and just trying to settle it real quick? You know, I think they, they would like to. I think the other part, in, in addition to pushing it toward arbitration, is to sever the cases brought by the other two coaches, Ray Horton and, and Steve Wilkes. Mm. So I think the NFL has taken the position that this is not a proper class action lawsuit, and each of these cases should be filed and dealt with separately and un, kind of unwound, um, and to move it to private arbitration, whereas Brian Flores has previously argued that he has a right um, to have this be handled transparently, and if the NFL's whole mission statement is you know, we're trying to improve diversity and, and racial discrimination within our sport. This should be done above board. Why are you moving this to arbitration, right? What do you have to hide? So, you know, I understand why the NFL is doing it. I understand Flores' response. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you know, for our purposes, I'd love to see this being litigated in an open courtroom, just like we have the live streaming, you know, the hearing today with Goodell and the, you know, the Washington commanders. I think transparency tends to clean things up. We'll see if, uh, you know, Snyder wants to end up selling the team here, but, Obviously, this public pressure of a public forum is certainly going to expedite uh, those type of conversations. Um, and I would think it would help the Flores case. I, I don't know why the NFL wants to put it in the background and put it to private arbitration. But, um, you know, I think if you're really trying to solve the issue, you put everything out in the open and, and let the public decide. This seems like this could really go on for a very long time. Are you anticipating that unless it gets like taken care of kind of behind the closed doors? You know, unless it gets dismissed, right? It, right. Could, it certainly could be dismissed here. It could be unwound. It could be sent to private, you know, arbitration. Um, there's a chance that, and there's certainly a world queue where, like, this case goes on in the background and we don't really hear anything about it, that there's confidentiality orders that are, that are required to be signed. So we'll see. Um, I don't, I, I mean, I expected this case to be, to be litigated for a long time, right? I think Brian Flores' position in this case is one that he would like to get a lot of media attention on, and that doesn't seem to be a case uh, that he's going to want to settle so quickly. So, We'll see. Um, you know, the other case I'm obviously monitoring is the John Gruden case. Yeah. We've got a couple cases, a couple big ones floating around between Goodell, Watson, Gruden, Flores, 
definitely a busy time in the world of sports law. Yeah, no, it really is. And that's the final question I wanted to ask you about was the Gruden case, and it, it happened about a month ago now at this point, where the, the, the judge here in, in Las Vegas uh, didn't, didn't side with the NFL and didn't push to arbitration and didn't dismiss. So it looked like a big-time victory for Gruden. Uh, how big of a victory was that for him, and what's next? I mean, it's big to the extent that right, we're going to hear about the case. We're going to hear about every decision that's made. I think the NFL is appealing that ruling, so I don't know if we've, we've heard back on that front. But, right. um, yeah, I mean, the allegations are that, you know, uh, as everyone knows, John Gruden is alleging that he, it was a purposeful email leak that cost him his job. And, uh, again, you can do a Venn diagram between all these cases, between Flores and the Washington commander's case, because that's where the emails emanated from. And those emails were referenced directly by Brian Flores in his legal filings, um, you know, that he was – uh, essentially allowed to resign on his own and maybe got some type of uh, payment on the way out, John Gruden. And Brian Flores is saying, hey, I didn't get that type of treatment. I was kind of dishonorously, uh, you know, removed from the, the team and fired in the middle of, no, you know, middle of nowhere. So, um, yeah, I think all these cases, you got to follow them all very closely. And maybe the Watson case is the biggest one, biggest domino to fall. I think we're going to get a decision on the suspension uh, within the next six weeks. I think it's, I think it's pretty close. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, of course, I'm sure it's going to get appealed and argued down from the NFLPA, but I'm very interested to see exactly where it starts at, you know, where the suspension is. I'm expecting it to be a, a, a season, if not a little bit more, but that's just me. So, you know, and I have no, no, nothing where that came from. That's just my gut feeling. So that's what I'm rolling with. Well, Daniel, fantastic stuff as always, man. Thanks for spending some time breaking everything down for us because uh, we're dummies on this side, but I know you're not. So you can break it down for us and make us understand a lot better. My absolute pleasure, Q, anytime. Thank you, my man. Appreciate you so much. Daniel Lust right there, sports attorney. You can find him on Twitter at Sports Law Lust. And with us here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. He does a great job of breaking it on down and uh, been rocking with him for a while now. And uh, just, again, he just things that I don't understand, he understands to a T. And I love the way he breaks it down and makes it so myself, Ari, uh, we could all understand it and you as well. So uh, many thanks to Daniel for joining us right there uh, in the segment. 315 is the time. And shout-out to my man Rob in Oakland as well who sent, uh, who sent the text in on the Salmon Ash text and that's exactly how it works you got a question for a guest it's all good hit us up we can uh, we can pass the message along just like we did with rob so thank you so much rob i do appreciate you but uh, feel free to hit us up right now you want to chime in on training camp battles where you think the training camp battles will come from that's what we've been talking about we got plenty to get to this is radio nation radio 920 welcome back to unnecessary roughness here on raider nation radio 920 i'm gonna have to kick you you know what today here's your boy q Got to give a big shout-out to Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young, all from the LV Aces, be represented at the WNBA 2022 All-Star Game. Now, I do have to question, and we'll talk about it later on the show, I do have to question what the hell happened last night with the Aces and the Chicago Sky. I know what happened with the Chicago Sky. They came back and won a game. I know what happened with the Aces. They were up 28. 28! 28 points they were up. Let me tell you, and I'm going to get into this later on the show, I promise you, because there's plenty I got to say about this game. But, Ari, they're up 28 points. They hit a three-pointer right at the end of the first quarter, a buzzer beater, and I looked up at the score, and they had 41. I thought it was halftime. <laughs> I thought it was halftime because it was 41 points. And then it's like they went to commercial, came back, said, all right, and they were back in action. I said, well, man, that was a fast halftime. No, it was the start of the second quarter. They scored 41 in the first quarter and then got beat down afterwards 
The Chicago Sky come back from 28 down. Can you imagine how many people left early? Going back to yesterday's conversation. Man, for real. I mean, hey, there was a chance where people were like, oh, this game is a wrap. Ah, you know? Big big win for us tonight. Man. Going around all celebratory and then uh, – I'll tell you, man, the energy at Michelob Ultra, it went from sugar to you know what real quick, man. It was electric. It was people were fired up. And I could tell through the TV, I'm at the house working, you know, in my little studio. I'm watching the game and I'm like, man, this is great. This is awesome. You know, Jesse Merrick, uh, he is he covers uh, obviously sports here out in the out in Las Vegas. And he's there at the game. He's tweeting about it. He's like, man, they're playing really well in the third quarter. And I'm like, no, it's the second quarter, Doug. It got me, too. You know, and so then all of a sudden, the Chicago Sky start chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And I was like, there's no way they're going to make this comeback. They're down 28. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, it gets within three. Then they get within one. Then they get a steal and take the lead. And old Candace Parker, and I say old, I don't say old like old person. I mean old like old reliable. Mm. Candace Parker comes through like the champion she is. And Chicago Sky showed why they were champions last year. They got a little something in their neck, man. They ain't going away just like that. They ain't going away just because, you know, you, you feel like you got a stranglehold on them. I mean, Asia Wilson, she's doing a little dance on the sideline. Kelsey Plum's feeling good about herself, you know, shouting out to Darren Waller while he's sitting there in the stands watching the game. I don't know if he was really doing that, you know. But still, I'm assuming because he's at almost all the games. And then all of a sudden they went from feeling good about themselves to feeling bad, quick, fast, and hurry. It was bad, man. It really was. I, I honestly could not believe I saw that. Yeah, it was rough. So so does this mean, because I'm not sure how long they've been dating, are the Aces now, what, 0-1 since – since the announcement? I'm a, well, since uh-huh. the announcement. And I don't even know if they made an announcement. It was just all of us did an assumption, right? Yeah. I mean, because it, it had been a rumor that I had heard for a while. I heard that, you know, that they were dating. And then all of a sudden, uh, when the pictures hit the hit the Internet, once the pictures hit the Internet, it's over, that's right? That's a fact, yeah. <laughs> you can believe everything that's on the Internet. Yeah. But uh, I know they went to the Title IX dinner together. They look, I mean, hey, they look like a happy couple. But, yeah, ever since the pictures hit the Internet, man, the Aces 0-1 had a big-time collapse. I'll tell you one thing. This was rough, but did you happen to catch the Chicago – I meant to put it in our thing uh, – Chicago Sky tweet? From yesterday? No, no. So the original tweet from ESPNW was the LV Aces are off to a hot start after the first quarter with the thing that says 41-18. It's got the rock, you know, looking like he does with the eyebrow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They quote tweeted it, and then what? Wow. Like like after the game, of course. Wow. Social media. Hey, social media team is flexing their muscles. Flexing their muscles. Wow. Big time right there, but... Uh, yeah, man, that was that was upsetting uh, just to see from a fan's point of view, let alone I can imagine how the, the young ladies in the locker room and how Coach Hammond was feeling after that game. Oh, uh, I saw a couple of her quotes, and they weren't they weren't pleasant ones. I remember a game in which they had simply just like fall. Their, they had their lead had been cut a little bit. They were still yeah looking really good and they ended up winning. And I think she pulled – she had the bench up, and then she pulled the whole bench, brought the whole starting five in with, like, two, three minutes left just to prove a point. Like, we're not giving – like, right. she is she is a phenomenal coach, I think. She so, is. She does a hell mad. of a job. She was uh, inducted into the uh, Women's Basketball Hall of Fame uh, just the other day. Uh, matter of fact, when they were playing in L.A., she wasn't able to be in attendance because she was put into the Hall of Fame and, or because she was uh, coaching and the Hall of Fame uh, enshrining thing was going on, the enshrinement was going on, so she wasn't able to be there. But, yeah, she's a great coach. I'm sure they'll bounce back. But that was one of those losses, especially in the WNBA. It's not like they're the N- NBA where they're playing 82 games. You know, that, that's one of those because that tightened up 
that tightened up the stranglehold that they had really on the league. And look, they're playing. They want to have home court advantage when it comes to the playoffs, all that good stuff. That really tightened things up between them, the Sky, and I think the Sun. All three of those teams are now really close, neck, neck, and neck uh, with each other. So that was a loss that they can look back at later and say, you know what? Probably shouldn't have let that one slip away. So, uh, yeah, that was that was disappointing to see the Aces drop uh, after the way that they've been playing. But I have no doubt about, in my mind, that they will bounce back. Let's take one call before we get to cover three NFL news and notes of the day. 702-365-9200. I believe my man ABA Ivan Davis is up. What's on your mind, my man? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's happening, Q? Thanks for taking my call. Hey, yes, sir. that Las Vegas loss on me, man. I, they've been on TV the last two days. I, I turned them – again, they won before. They were winning about 11, and then they got down, and I fell asleep. When I woke up, they had one by one. So I said, okay. So I watched this game, and they were winning when I turned it on. So I decided, okay, I'm not a jinx. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and keep watching. Next thing you know, they kept getting the lead. I, my first instinct was to flip off the, <laughs> flip off the TV. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. I said, okay, we're going to find out. Then they end up losing. So I guess I won't be watching no more Las Vegas games. Yeah, good okay, idea. <laughs> good idea. They appreciate that. <laughs> is he there? Me. Oh, there he is. Okay. Okay. And uh, we uh, – hold up. Let's look at my phone. Okay, there he is. <laughs> okay, uh, so what's the question? I mean, the app is not working, and so I've been struggling, you know, finding the show. Oh, okay. It's uh, it's we're we're talking about training camp battles right now. You know, wh- where do you expect to see training camp battles when camp opens up in less than a month? Training camp battles. Yep. I'm something. That's actually a good one. Cause, man, <laughs> offensive line. What Offen- else could it be? Oh, uh, I, I, I we threw. We threw out cornerback and we threw out um, we threw out backup quarterback. That was two of the uh, two of the the ones the responses that we've had so far. Offensive line, that's a good one. But where, where who do you see the the battle being between on the offensive line? Got to be the right tackle. I mean, because if, if, if Carr don't get protected, all the good things that is going to happen with that offense is just simply not going to happen. Or he'll become check down Charlie for his own protection. Right. Good okay, stuff. Because the defense is okay. Thanks a lot, Q. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. ABA Ivan Davis right there. And uh, apologize for the app not really working. Uh, we're working on getting that thing uh, squared up, fixed up, quick, fast, and hurry. But I appreciate you chiming in on the show. And so we want to hear from you as well. Uh, ABA Ivan Davis said the camp battle will be on the offensive line, talking about the right tackle. You know, I've seen I've seen some reports. And, you know, this time of year is when you see these different lists and, you know, people are, are, are putting stuff out there, expectations. And I saw one article that was basically talking about, and I think, Ari, you might have sent this over to me, uh, expected or um, a shocking cut for every team or some, you know, one, one cut for every team. Anyway, this article went on to say that the shocking cut for the Raiders, they think, is going to be Denzel Good. I don't see that. I, didn't see, I don't see Denzel Good being a, a cut candidate, but one of the reasons why they said is if they release him, then it would be they'll save $3 million on the salary cap uh, because that's basically what he's going to make in 2022. I think he's going to be a welcome addition. I think he's going to be part of that competition. I think that Denzel Good is definitely a part of the camp battle, but this is why I think he's part of the camp battle. I think he's part of it to determine where he, he's going to fit in. Not that if he's going to fit in, but where. I think that there's no doubt about it that Denzel Good is on the starting five as long as he's healthy uh, come the start of, of, of the regular season. I believe he'll be one of the starting five on the offensive line. 
My question is where? Where is he going to be at? Is it going to be at the right guard position? Is it going to be at the left guard position? Hell, we've seen him at right tackle. You know, I mean, that's that's a – and as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll throw that out there. We can, we can kind of expand the conversation. We're talking about tra- training camp battles. How about offensive line battles? And, and, and where do you think Denzel Good fits into the mix on that offensive line? Where do you think the best place for him is and why? 702-365-9200, Salmon Ash text line 69187. Give us your training camp battle and let me know where you think Denzel Good fits in on the offensive line and why. Or maybe you think that, yeah, Q, I think that he could be a, a, a release candidate as well. Let me know about it, man. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. I never seen him shy away from anything that was uncomfortable on a football field. We talk about all this other stuff, man, but we don't talk about that. Right. Unbelievable work ethic. Unbelievable belief in himself. That's what I think about, man. When I think about the nine years I spent with that dude. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Mike Tomlin right there talking about Antonio Brown. With all that being said, he still ain't returning to the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> he still ain't returning. I know we got cover three coming up in a matter of seconds here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. But he told SI.com talking about uh, talking about AB. Y'all know that ain't happening. He is not returning to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's not putting on a helmet. He ain't running out of the tunnel. He ain't playing ball and stuff like that, man. He's moved on, and we've moved on. We can sit around and chop up like it's a realistic conversation, but we know that's not realistic. That's just a cover three note right there, but a great great sound from my guy Ari coming through like the, the first of the month, and uh, that was appearance on the, the Pivot podcast that you heard right there, Mike Tomlin talking about Antonio Brown, and that's the one thing about him, Raider Nation. I think we all know very well once the, the Raiders made the move for him, we knew how talented the dude was, right? There's no question about his ability on the field. It was, one, can you get him on the field? Two, is he going to be, you know, okay in the locker room or is he going to try to destroy things? Well, he never even made it to the field for the silver and black. But I understood what John Gruden and company were trying to do by bringing him in. They were trying to get Devontae Adams before Devontae Adams, right? That's, I mean, that's because they got Devontae Adams, but they got – that superstar wide receiver without Antonio Brown problems. So, I mean, they, they were trying to get that alpha dog. They just went and said, hey, you know what? This is either going to be boom or bust. Well, we all know what happened. It was bust. And it's been bust pretty much everywhere he's gone outside of Pittsburgh, except for the fact that, you know, he did win a ring in Tampa Bay. But still, we all see how that shook out at the end of the road when it came to Antonio Brown. But thank you so much for that, uh, Ari. That was good stuff again. We have cover three NFL news and notes coming up in a matter of minutes. But we did want to hear from you. Threw out a couple questions on the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Also, the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. The first question I had for you was about training camp battles. Where do you think that they will be? We had a couple calls earlier talking about the quarterback position, Anthony Averett to be exact. Uh, matter of fact, we had one call from Jared right here in uh, Las Vegas saying he thought Anthony Averett was going to be the number one corner, thought he was going to end up being a starter, and he might. You know, he's got a lot of uh, a lot to like in him. Let's put it like that, especially if they are running that press man coverage like is we expect him. Anthony Averett looks like he might be the best at that, but I can see that, that training camp battle right there. Anthony Averett, as Jared said, versus everybody else, versus the field. That's a good – a good competition right there. We also had a call about the backup quarterback position, Nick Mullins versus Jarrett Stidham. I think that that's very intriguing. You know, you go and sign a guy that has started in the league, 
You go and sign a guy that's got a few skins on the wall and shows that he can get it done, but then you go trade for a guy. You give up draft capital to bring in a guy that you're familiar with. I think that that says a lot as well. So that's going to be a competition that we're definitely looking at. And then as we were mentioning that and talking about that in the last segment, all of a sudden Denzel Good came up. I was reading an article that basically said that they thought Denzel Good was going to be a surprise release or a surprise cap or not cap casualty but just casualty uh during training camp and we always see that right every year there always ends up being one person that's cut you're like whoa i didn't see that coming didn't think that that was going to happen so that's basically what they're going for they're trying to find that surprise cut and they were saying denzel good i don't believe that at all i think that denzel good is going to be a starter my question is where is he going to be a starter at is it going to be the right guard position? Is it going to be the left guard position? Could they kick him out to tackle and put him at the right tackle position? So those are really the two questions that we have for you. We're uh, hitting up the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Also, the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Got a bunch of good texts that I want to get to real quick. Rob in Oakland said, in terms of training camp battles, I think we all want serious competition at offensive line and quarterback because most of us are unsure about how they'll perform this year. I'm going to go in a different direction. I think the competition is at running back. It's going to be intense. Jacobs, Drake, White, Bolden, Abdullah, Brown, Jacob Johnson, Jacob Johnson are likely battling for four spots. We may see a surprise or two out of that position group. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Josh Jacobs, Drake, we know that they don't have a contract after this year. Uh, matter of fact, the only running back in that group that has a, a, a contract after this year that's not a rookie is uh, Brandon Bolden. He's got a two-year deal. Now, Zamir White, obviously, he's a rookie, so he's got a contract he just signed. Britton Brown, they drafted him. He was a seventh-round pick. He's got a contract past this year. But as far as veterans go, everyone's on a one-year deal outside of Brandon Bolden. So that could be a very – very good camp battle right there. Uh, I've said it before when it comes to the running back position. I'm interested to see the pecking order. Who's going to be you know, the heavy lifter? I expect it to be Josh Jacobs. But then what do you do with Kenyon Drake? You know, how much does Zamir White get added to the mix? Brandon Bolden's familiar with the system. He's really more like Jalen Richard where he'll probably catch passes out of the backfield more than run the ball between the tackles. So there's, there's a lot of good questions, Rob. So good text right there. Definitely appreciate that. How about Vegas Pete? He said, I think good. Should be right guard. His experience can help Leatherwood at right tackle. If Wood still struggles, they can swap. Parker is a backup. And Vegas Pete, I agree with you 100%. 100% when it comes to Brandon Parker. He is a backup at best, and he should be treated as such. Okay? Not trying to be disrespectful. Not trying to sound like that guy. But he is just what he is. You know, you can't force a guy who shouldn't be a starter to be a starter. You should say, hey, look, there's a, there's a reason why backups are, are valuable because you need to come in in a pinch and be ready. I think that's what Brandon Parker does best. He can come in in a pinch and be ready. I think if you're going to put Alex Leatherwood at the right tackle position, you should have Denzel Good, a seasoned veteran, right next to him. If you're going to put Alex Leatherwood at the right guard position, you should have a seasoned veteran at the right tackle position. Basically what I'm saying is you got to have a veteran a guy who can help lead him and kind of push him, similar to what Richie Incognito did with Colton Miller. Remember when the Raiders brought in Richie Incognito and sat him next to Colton Miller, and they said, we're going to need this guy to toughen this dude up a little bit? He did. He did. He helped, he helped toughen him up a little bit, and you saw what Colton Miller was able to do. He got in the weight room, got a little bit stronger, got a little bit more focused on what he needed to do, and continued to flourish. And now that's the one guy that we have confidence. Okay, we know where he's going to play, that left tackle position. So I'm with you 100%. Uh, I would have no problem seeing 
Denzel Good line up at that right guard position, and if they give Leatherwood that opportunity at right tackle, then at least Denzel Good will be there to help him out. I like that. Vegas Pete, thank you so much for that text. Again, 69187, keyword R&R. Big JT from Santa Cruz. He said Denzel Good will either be at the right guard spot or right tackle. No way in hell he's a cut candidate. Guy is too versatile to not be on that offensive line. The camp battle I'm looking forward to would be at the DB position and linebacker group. Who is going to be a dog and show up? That's from Big JT in Santa Cruz. Well, that was one of my favorite cities to go to back in the day when I was in, in Cali in the Bay all the time. I used to go to Santa Cruz all the time. Go down to that beach boardwalk. Radio station I was at, man, they had the all-day passes. So me and the boys used to go out there. Uh, and I'm talking about Little Q and Little Q. We used to go out there and kick it all day at the beach boardwalk and have a good old time and may look at a girl or two and, you know, check them out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, flex our, our, our athletic abilities that we have and try to show off a little something, something. <laughs> That's a fun city, though. That's a fun city, man. Santa Cruz is a cool city. So, JT, live your best life out there, my man. But good, good text right there. That's, that's really good. I don't think there's any chance that Denzel Good gets cut either for the exact reason that you mentioned. He is too stinking versatile. Every position that he's had to play, when push comes to shove, he has thrived tackle guard whatever I, I would say hey you know what if you had to put the dude in center in, in a pinch he'd find a way to get it done right I'm not saying you do but if you had to I think that would work uh, and I like the I like the question about the DBs and the linebacker who's going to be the dog to show up I think that's a really good question thank you so much for that text uh, got a text from big dub Raider the most interesting camp battle will be the corners I think Denzel Good will be the starting right guard next to Leatherwood at right tackle. Parham will start at left guard. He definitely be a, he definitely will be an important piece on the offensive line because he's so versatile. Go Raiders! That's from Big Dub Raiders. So uh, thank you so much for that text. That's that's a good one as well. Dylan Parham, the rookie out of Memphis, third round pick. He's got him penciled in at the left guard position. So if I'm reading it correctly, we're looking at Colton Miller at left tackle. Uh, you got Dylan Parham at left guard. You have Andre James at center. And then you have Denzel Good at right guard and Alex Leatherwood at right tackle. Man, if that can come together, if they can collaborate and really work, I mean, you got some youth. That's the only thing I'm a little concerned about. I mean, you got a rookie at left guard, a second-year starter at center, and then you have a, a second-year guy at tackle, at right tackle. Little concerning, but if they can coach them up and get them all on the same page, it may be able to work. 344 is the time. Let's go out real quick to the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Gangsta Gangsta. Gangsta Raider, what's on your mind, my man? Hey, what's happening, y'all? I just want to say I'm not really concerned about the line as most people are because of the coaching. We got better coaching this year. I think the coach is going to optimize the players that we have, put them in the right position, and have them play in the optimal position for their strengths instead of their weaknesses. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I think we um, have professional coaches. Like, we got a professional GM now, and I think um, they're going to do a lot better, even with the defense. But the only um, group I'm really worried about besides the secondary is the linebackers because I feel like the linebackers, we need depth. Because think about it, if, if, if Perryman go down, this year, I'm not saying he does, but just to right. say if he does go down this year, we're going to need people to step in and fill that role because he was a tackling machine. I think he led the team in tackling and was like one of the best tacklers in the league. You know what I'm saying? To me, the linebackers are like the running backs of the defense. You know what I'm saying? We take abuse. I mean, linebackers take abuse on every play just like the running back. So it's um, an often injured position. Yeah. So we got to be deep. You know what I'm saying? We got to be deep. We got to be smart. And we got to have um, – 
multiple uh, linebackers that can play multiple positions. We need linebackers that can cover. We need linebackers that can stop the run. And we also need linebackers just to back the line. You know what I'm saying? Really, like, you know, rush the line and back the um, – Whoever, whatever defensive tackle we get in there. So I think the linebacker is the most important group. But I want to say shout-out to um, Raider Jets because he always come through for me when I go to Vegas. And him and Vince, he, I had a chance to go to the Sparks game, I mean uh, Aces game when I was out there, and I didn't go. But I really regret not going because Vince and uh, his girl wanted me to go to the game. But I'm telling you all, everybody, get stick your chest out. This is going to be a glorious season. We're back. I'm telling you, the playoff run we went to last year, playoffs is not even a question. We're going to be a perennial playoff team from now on. We are the notorious, also glorious Raider Nation. Stick your chest out. Oh, yeah, and it's the 40-1 to um, odds for um, Derek Carr winning the um, MVP. I put 100 bucks down on it. So if he win it, I went four Gs off 100 bucks. I tell I went 44 Gs off 100 bucks. So I'm telling the rest of Raider Nation to hop on that, too. So I'm gone. Keep the gangster, y'all. We're going to have a glorious season and get ready. And we're starting here in L.A. I got my tickets. Meet me at the um, Metal Canopy here in L.A. in Inglewood. All right, I'm gone. There he goes, Gangster Raider. Hey, man, at those odds, I might go drop a C note as well. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, look, I've wasted $100 on, on, on a lot worse odds than that, right? Triple-double diamond gets me every time, man, and no joke. And I know we got to take a quick break. Matter of fact, we will take a quick break. I got a story to tell, boy. I got a story to tell. Father's Day, I thought I was in the money. I wasn't. 3.46 is the time. We'll come back, close out hour number two. This is Red Nation Radio 920. What are you doing? Are you serious? I don't want to work with him no more. Why, why is he here? Why are you here? What is wrong with you? This nut right here that broke the... You know, you know how hard it is to get them brown Legos? Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Okay. So I'm assuming that that, as I go off voice recognition was Steve Harvey, and I kind of recall him having an issue with Gronk. So is that what, is that what we're rolling with there? Yeah, I, wanna, I, I wanted to see how you would uh, feel after that, if you still want to do the show, if you still want to have the Gronk and Q or whatever you were calling yeah, it. Yeah, I can rock you with anybody, with man. That? I can do a show with anybody, I, man. I actually don't know if that was real or not. I still don't know if that was real or not. I don't I, think, I think it, was. it was fixed or you know I don't, scripted. But. I'll tell you this, and I'm not a hater, but I don't think there's too much of what Steve Harvey does that's not scripted. That is a great point. You know what I mean? I'm not a hater at all. I respect the hustle, but sure. I kind of find a lot of the things he does to be kind of put in place already, That's if you know what I mean. Fair, yeah. But, <laughs> hey, man, he's got about 5,000 jobs that he's working on right now, so I could definitely respect that. Oh, if I could be all over the place like he's all over the place, I might need a couple scripts here and there as well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if I had as many jobs as he, I might have to be scripted a little bit, you know, every once in a while. I can, I can, I can rock with that. But speaking of rock with that, Gangster Raider called us in the last segment. He was talking about dropping some some bread on on Derek Carr to be the league MVP. And I know right now you think like, oh man, come on, he's not going to be the league MVP. But he said he dropped a hundred dollars and he could win forty four hundred dollars. That's a great, that's great odds. And a lot of people will say, well, I ain't going to waste a hundred dollars. And I normally would say that as well, except for my experience that I had on Father's Day. Now I had a great Father's Day experience. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the wife and kids took really good care of me, uh, took me out to a great dinner. I'll tell you all about that coming up in the next hour. But let me say this, man. I was I was in that zone where I just, you know, I think that I solved the miracle of, of everything, right? I feel like I, I'm, I'm smarter than, than, uh, than the, the outside forces. And just when you feel like you're smarter than everyone else is when you got to realize that you're not. 
and that's when you get humbled. So uh, I have been on this kind of a roll, right? I live very close to a casino that we go to all the time, uh, GVR, right here in, uh, in Henderson. And it's so funny because I, I like to, and my mom is my witness, I like to survey a casino and find the machine that I feel like is my machine. It's always a triple-double diamond, and it's always sitting somewhere, and I'm like, you know what? That's the one that I want to play. It takes no skill to play a slot machine, it take, and that's why I play them. It, has, it takes no skill. All you got to do is put money in and press max bet. And that's it. And my dad taught me, always play max bet because you're wasting your time if you don't. So that's what I do. And I'm always willing to lose. There's always a certain amount of money I'm willing to lose, and then that's it. I will never lose more than I'm willing to lose. So for me, it's $100. And $100, it feels like a lot. It really does. At times when I lose $100, I'm like, damn, I lost $100. But then when I win like $300 or $400 or whatever, I'm like, okay, I won you know, a couple hundred dollars. So I, it, it reels me back in, right? So, but I will walk away. Like a lot of people will try to win their money back. I won't. If I lose 100 bucks, I'm done. It's a wrap. I'm not going to the ATM machine. I'm not asking for – I'm not nothing. I'm done. I'll go to the bar and get a margarita and keep it pushing, right? That's what I'll do. So I told the wife – I swore up and down to the wife that – I found the machine that was going to, you know, that was a winner every time because I've won three times in a row on that machine. I mean, I've been on a roll. I've won three times in a row, and I've won some pretty decent money on it. So I was like, look, wife, I'm going to show you how I could win on this machine. Yeah, I lost that $100. <laughs> I lost that $100. <laughs> I think I got a cherry come through like once or twice, and that was it. I was like, oh, no, it always goes on a little bit of a losing streak, and then all of a sudden, boom, it bounces right back. No, nah, I never bounced back that time. So she's looking at me. The daughter's looking at me like, uh, at what point are you going to start winning? I was like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. I'm not. <laughs> you are officially a Vegas resident now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was done deal records. I was like, yeah, I, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't win. I didn't show you anything. But I, I thought I had identified my machine. And then I'm, I'm kind of paranoid. I'm looking around for the person that's watching me and thinking, I'm going to go jump on that machine as soon as he walks away. Because you know that person's around. You know that person's around. Because a lot of times that person's me. I'm usually that guy that's, yeah, I'm surveying the scene, seeing who's, you know, feeding the machine, just waiting for that thing to pop, and then I'll go and get it. And the last couple times I've won on this same machine, there's always been a little lady that's standing next to me. She always has her COVID mask on. She sits right next to me, and she's just like, like she's eyeing me. And I can feel her eyeing me, man. She's got her little, her little beady eyes are trying to, like, put a hole in my chest. She's trying to get, get my soul. She's, like, looking into my soul like, lose, lose lose and then i win i'm like ha ha i won this time she got into my soul and she saw that i lost i guarantee she ran up behind me after and and, and put in like 20 bucks and probably won like five thousand dollars right and she probably cussed me the whole way to the car ha ha finally got that guy he thought he was slick that's that that i'm telling you man it's a little lady and she's got little tiny beady eyes and she's got a little covid mask on you see her lurking around you you go the other way She's coming for your money, telling you. So my whole point of that is telling you that Gangster Raider put down $100. I could have done that and invested it in hopefully Derek Carr having an amazing season and won $4,400 and never had a lady look into my soul. <laughs> I'm looking in your soul for this one. <laughs> I don't see it. No, there ain't no I more money. I don't see it. There ain't no money in my soul. Yeah, clearly, yeah. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. I had look. I don't carry cash on me too often. Maybe when I go to the barber shop, and then when I go get my car washed right afterwards, and that's usually it. And so I had a little bit of cash in my pocket for a couple of weeks, and I felt pretty good about myself. It ain't there no more. Yeah. <laughs> the lady, the lady that looked into my soul took it. 
So my, my point is, go invest that $100 that I lost in the machine that the little lady got from me. Go invest that on Derek Carr, and maybe you could turn that into $4,400. That's a hell of an investment right there. I'm not mad at that. Betting expert Q Myers. No, no, Add no. that to the resume. Hey, I do do a podcast <laughs> called Locked on Bets, by the way. With Lee, I know with, it. With, uh, I almost said Lee Steinberg with Lee Sterling. <laughs> with Gronkowski. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That would be fantastic, right? Can you imagine Gronk giving you betting tips? Oh, man. Can it's you imagine amazing. this discussion about Carr winning the MVP? <laughs> I mean, look, man. At, at forty four hundred dollars to win it back, that's that's worth the risk. I guess I get that. I get the odds, and I, and I'm not a hater. I mean, I I want to see big things this season. I just I just don't see it even collectively. Like right, I I agree. I agree only because you know the usual suspects, right? You know the usual suspects, yeah. and you know that it's going to take a lot because Derek Carr plays for the Silver and Black, so it's going to take a lot for him one to get noticed. I think that there's a lot of eyes on him this year because Devontae Adams, because Josh McDaniels, because the expectations. And he might, he might go ball out. Look, 2016, everyone always references 2016. He was in the MVP conversation. I don't know how close he was, but he was in that conversation. Let's also be honest. He doesn't have to win the MVP for it to be a phenomenal no, season. And, no, and that's, that's what I'm getting at here. I think like the powers, I just don't see him actually winning it regardless. So I don't know, gangsta, hopefully uh, – now, if you do win, we're friends, of course. I was about to say, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, look, man, if he comes through and, and Gangster Raider gets that $4,400, there's nothing wrong I with that. delete the archives for this show. And man, like, he oh, can, I was all on your side the whole time. He can, go, he can go to the casino with me, and we can go ahead and play <laughs> that money together. And the little lady with the, the beady eyes that's trying to look into our soul, she ain't going to be able to look into our soul because Gangster, Gangster Raider's going to have that money. <laughs> That's better odds. I'm with that. Exactly. 358 the time. We'll come back. We'll kick off our number three of Unnecessary Roughness. We'll be talking to Kevin Ostriker from Locked On Ravens, talking all things Anthony Averett. Plus, Baltimore sports has lost a couple guys today. That's horrible. It's tragic. We'll talk about it next. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.